Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Freedom that sets free. If we look at the, the history of mankind, some of the most uh, 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 the biggest moments in history all has to do with people being set free, people being liberated from something. If we look at the slavery, for example, probably one of the biggest moments in human history is the uh, uh, Emancipation Act where, where slavery was abolished or, or brought to an end. And that was a big moment. And there's numerous accounts where we, we see big moments in history where there's a form of liberation of people because people were created to live in freedom. Mankind was created to live in freedom. God created the world and he gave Adam and Eve free will to choose life or death. They choose life. The state of the world is in the state that it is because they chose death because uh, the state of the world is in the state of, of, of death and destruction because people are choosing death. People haven't chosen life. But God created us to live in freedom. But true freedom is only found in our design, within purpose. Practical example, a lion was created to roam free in the field. Now a lion technically has the freedom to also go and live in the ocean. Right? No one is going to stop a lion to go and live in the ocean if they want to live in the ocean. But guess what? They're not going to experience that much life in the ocean. A dolphin, exactly the same. A dolphin has got the freedom to go and live in the field, but it's not going to enjoy life in that freedom. You guys get what I'm saying? Not every freedom, not every choice you have of free will is going to bring about life by choosing that. Just because we've got freedom doesn't mean that every decision that looks like freedom is bringing about life into your life so we need to look at our design and our purpose and how true freedom is actually enjoyed because god's freedom brings life the world's freedom brings death destruction we see a lot of people advocating different things in this world and they they're labeling it as freedom as a lion would advocate freedom while being in the ocean but they're not going to live for too long so we need to redefine and relook at the freedom that we are enjoying or so-called enjoying, if it is actually bringing life into, into my life or is it actually bringing death. The world is living in bondage and there's only one way to set them free, connect them th connecting them to their life source, which is Jesus, connecting them to their purpose and their design. Jesus says this in John 15 verse 5, I'm the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you but when you live separated from you you are powerless life and freedom flows from being connected to the source jesus jesus is the source of life he called himself the way the truth and the life if you disconnected if anyone is disconnected from jesus they can do whatever they want in this world they can dress up like a chicken, bark like a dog, call themselves a dog, redefine their identity, whatever they want to do, and call it freedom. They're living in bondage. 
They're living and experiencing death, a slow death. There's only one way to truly experience life and peace, freedom, and that is connected to the source of life, Jesus. Now the question is this, what are we doing with our freedom? What are we doing with our freedom? More personally, what am I doing with my freedom? This freedom that Jesus brought to me, what am I doing with it? 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. Now as we're getting uh, ready to, to jump into the deep end, a good word is a challenging word. Some of you don't like that phrase. That's okay. But a good word is a challenging word. Because it's only by being challenged that we can grow. It's only by being challenged that you can grow. Think about it in a practical sense. If you go to the gym and you don't challenge yourself, what is going to happen? You're not going to grow. You're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get fitter. If you do the same thing week in, week out, and you don't challenge yourself, you cannot grow. You cannot become better or stronger. And it's the same with the Word of God. We need to be challenged. It's not a matter of performance. It's not a matter of putting a heavy on you. But it's coming to realization and asking myself this question. In light of this truth that I'm receiving, how much am I living up to this? If you don't ask that question, you'll coaster through life. Being the same person when you receive Christ and being the same person when Christ returns or when you pass and go be with the Lord. You won't see any change because you're not asking the challenging questions of, in light of this truth, am I actually stepping up to the things that God is inviting me to? 1 Peter 2, 9-10 from the message. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted God's instruments to do his work man again we talked about this this morning what a privilege and an honor to be chosen by God to be co-laborers with him in what work to speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference have you experienced freedom in your life any form of freedom in your life because of Jesus I have. That's why I'm standing here this morning. It's now 10 years. 10 years of like really stepping into what God has called me to um, in ministry. To so say, for example, maybe 15 years ago, I was kind of just coasting through life. I was going, going through different seasons. I had a plan for my life, finish high school, go and study become a successful business person, make a lot of money, buy a house, get married, have a few kids. That was the plan for my life. Very self-centered, all about me and what I want and what I'm going to get. And then things changed in my heart. I started seeing the heart and the nature of God. And I responded to his invitation to be an instrument to do his work. To speak out for him. I started seeing the father heart of God and I started seeing how even though I had a lack of a father in my life, that God was always my father. And that there are so many fatherless in the world because of this fallen nature of, of man and so many disconnected people from the source of life. 
that we get to as God's children, as his family, be that to one another. Brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. And so even though I had that lack of fathering in my life, when I started seeing the father heart of God and started enjoying that and started seeing the father heart of God through, through brothers, men in my life, I learned from and I gleaned from that. And now today, I'm one of the best fathers I know. And that's not a proud statement. It's a humble statement because who I am today is because of what Jesus has done and is doing. And so even though I had this, this lack in my life, this, these bad experiences, man, I came to experience freedom, acceptance, and I cannot keep that to myself. That is God's desire for us to see, to experience freedom for ourselves because as we experience freedom for ourselves, we can start sharing that with the people around us and we'll use and create opportunities to do just that. 1 Peter 2, 15 to 16 says, When you do good, you stop ignorant people from saying foolish things about you. This is what God wants. Live like free people, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as those who are serving God. What do free people do? Free people serve God not themselves. Free people serve God, not themselves. And by doing so, they serve people by pointing them to relationship with God. Galatians 5, 13 to 15, laboring the same point from the message translation says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Why would Paul encourage the church to not misuse or abuse their freedom? Because people were misusing and abusing their freedom. And still today, people are misusing or excusing their freedom to do whatever they want to do. That's not God's kind of freedom. In this life, we're always going to be tempted and have the opportunity to be tempted to abuse our freedom. And ultimately and primarily, we do that by doing what we want. None of you are doing what you want. You're all uh, fully and completely doing what God wants, right? That is what Paul is saying and he's encouraging the church and says, if you're just going to do what you want, you're abusing your freedom. You're not using it for what God created it to be. He goes on and says, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out in one time or no time, all you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? True freedom is found in relationship with God, like we said. The world is lacking relationship with God. They're lacking the spirit of God in them. They're lacking experiencing true freedom, their purpose, their design, being one with God. And this is the only way that we can truly experience freedom. Now, there's a lot of things that we can focus on. There's a lot of things that we can be running after. And maybe you've got a, a bucket list. Maybe you've got a, a set of goals that you want to achieve before you turn 50, before you turn 60. Now, that's all fine and dandy. 
But how many of your goals, how many of the things that you are running after right now carries any weight in light of eternity? Easy question, right? How many of the things that you are pursuing right now in your life is carrying any weight in light of eternity? Maybe a lot of your life is caught up in, in building things and, and setting things in motion that has got no weight in light of eternity. And that might be the very reason why you are living a depressed life. Struggling with depression, anxiety, fear. Because what you are doing, you are operating outside of your design, outside of your purpose. You are not truly experiencing freedom in the way that God created you to enjoy freedom. So even though on the outside you might look like someone who's free, you're actually living in bondage. Because you're trying to be a dolphin out in the safari. Trying to be a lion out on the ocean. But God created and intended for us to enjoy our freedom and we can only truly do that one way. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19-23 from the easy to read version. I am free. I belong to no other person. But. But. I make myself a slave to everyone. I do this to help save as many people as I can. To the Jews I became like a Jew so that I could help save Jews. I myself am not ruled by the law. But to those who are ruled by the law, I became like someone who is ruled by the law. I did this to help save those who are ruled by the law. To those who are without the law, I became like someone who is without the law. I did this to help save those who are without the law. But really, I am not without God's law. I'm ruled by the law of Christ. To those who are weak, I became weak so that I could help save them. I've become all things to all people. I did this so that I could save people in any way possible. I do all this to make the good news known. I do this so that I can share in the blessings of the good news. This is an awesome passage of scripture. And, uh, Paul is sharing like basically whatever it takes, I'll do it. What was his end goal? Saving people. His end goal wasn't indulging in his flesh. Not being under the law versus being under the law. Doing this, doing that. It had nothing to do with himself. It had nothing to do with his personal desires or personal agenda it had everything to do with saving people he used this freedom not to serve his flesh he used this freedom to serve people i'm free i belong to no other person but i'll make my slave to i'll make myself a slave to everyone and in doing so helping save as many people as i can 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an internal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself, might be disqualified. 
So here again, Paul is using something practical. In a race, you see people competing. You see people doing things with intentionality, with purpose. Even some of you, you might have a lot of intentionality and purpose with your 10-year plan. You're dedicated to that. Your health plan, your whatever plan. You're super dedicated to it and you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ace this test. And Paul is saying, a lot of people are living their lives in this way. But they're doing it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Again, the life you're living, the choices and decisions you're making today, how much of them are aligned with eternity? And what do I mean by talking about aligned with eternity? How much of it weighs anything in light of eternity? Followed up with the next question. What has eternal value? What in this life has eternal value? It's a simple question. You should know the answer. There's only one thing that is going to last all of eternity. People. You and me. That's the only thing that God is truly concerned about is people. We see this in the life of Jesus. John chapter 4. Woman at the well. Then uh, Jesus meets her and he, he's thirsty. And from a natural conversation, he turns it into a spiritual one. He goes in, he, he gets water, but in the same sense, he pauses on getting the water and he has a spiritual conversation with a woman that was disconnected from the source of life. And then we see that and uh, he carries on and then, then food comes up and then then uh, harvesting comes up and every one of these natural conversations, these natural settings, Jesus ate food. But he quickly take, took that setting of eating food and turned it into a spiritual conversation. Why? Because there's only one thing that is carrying weight in light of eternity. People. People is the eternal currency. Nothing else has got an eternal currency other than people. 1 Corinthians 9, 20, 27. Don't you realize that in a race? We looked at this one already. Next scripture, oh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. Again, this veiling is a picture of, of bondage. Not clearly seeing, being limited to see. And God doesn't limit us. We limit ourselves by looking to things, and oftentimes we come to church, and I hope none of you this morning, oftentimes we come to church, and we, we've set a specific expectation in our hearts. And expectations are good. It's good to have expectations, but having unhealthy expectations is not good. Because having an unhealthy expectation means that your expectation is not going to be met, which means that you'll be disappointed. And it's not fun to be disappointment, disappointed. So we need to, 
realign and reevaluate our expectations, see, is this a godly expectation that I have? And so here Paul is, is telling the people, and we see Jesus talking about this as well in the Gospels, where people were reading and they were studying the word, but they didn't know what they were studying. They had a veil over their eyes. And how is that veil removed? Only one way. Not by your works, not by your performance, not by how much you know the scriptures, how much Bible you can quote, how, how many times you've been to church in a week, to Bible studies. None of those things matter. The veil can only be removed by believing in Jesus Christ, believing the gospel. That's the only way to experience true freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18 says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom is not a destination. Freedom is opposition. When Christ sets free is free indeed. That is our identity. That is our position. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. On a camp here. So all of us who have had the veil removed, all of us who've experienced freedom, all of us who've, who've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to light, all of us who've who've moved from being rejected to being accepted. All of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Again, asking this question, what are you doing with the freedom that you've received? There's too much self-centered Christianity in this world, too much focus on how can I manipulate the word to get more X, Y, and Z? How can I manipulate the word more to have it win me this, this match? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One of probably the most miscontextualized scriptures in the body of Christ. Why did Paul use that scripture for? Because Paul wrote that passage of scripture. So Paul gets to decide what the context of that scripture meant. What it was for. Not you, not me. I don't go to the Bible and say like, oh, this is a nice sounding verse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this for my next rugby match. I'm going to use this for my next race. Man. Why did Paul use that verse for? While sitting in prison, probably having a very little to eat, not the, the nicest of our hygienist situations. He goes on to explain that in all circumstances, where they're having plenty, where, they, where they're having much, I can do all things to Christ that strengthens me. Paul was in prison not because he, uh, he was being mean to people, not because 
he wanted to build a business and then it failed and then they sent him to jail. What Paul was in prison for had nothing to do with himself. What Paul was in prison for was what we celebrating today. Jesus. Glorifying and sharing Jesus with every person that he saw, every opportunity that he got. And he said that it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I'll push through. I'll carry on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the all things wasn't what you think it is. It was all to do with eternity. Using his freedom to impact people's eternities. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.